The following is a production of Casually Hardcore and Versus the World Productions. www.vtwproductions.com My name is Maurice. I'll be your moderator. We do have a microphone set up, so when we do open the floor up to questions from you folks, if you want to just get in an organized line behind that microphone at that time, and you'll be uh, able to answer, ask your questions. And for God's sakes, folks, remember, safety first. Safety first. Push only the women and children out of the way. Video. Well, welcome to Phoenix. We'll be asking all of you to resign releases before you leave the theater. Uh, before before we get started here, I just wanted to ask you guys, what do you how, how do you like our fair city? We'll see you after the game tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, honestly, Phoenix. Phoenix, listen. Now, hold on. Like, don't make me use my dad voice. When you lose the game tonight, and your season is over, I want you to be gracious and polite, just like we are in Los Angeles when we win. Now, for those of you who might take issue with that, I'd just like to point out that I'm really looking for a new TV, and I would like a new video camera. Wow. I'm just putting up my shopping Ooh, list for the riot. That's all. Took a smack about the hockey. Took the a shot at the Kings. Took a shot at the Kings. Will I know he did. Yeah. How that Vancouver jersey feel? Oh, that Vancouver jersey feels dirty. It feels awful and heavy and shameful. <laughs> I lost a bet to Aaron Douglas. My friend Aaron Douglas lives in Vancouver, and he is a, a Canucks fan, like you are if you live there. Look, Spider-Man's here. And uh, Spidey. Spidey. Always and a pleasure. And I have to wear a, a Vancouver Canucks jersey. I'm a big today. fan, Spidey. Guys, I don't think that's the real Spider-Man. No. Are you serious? I'm no. pretty sure. I'm just saying. Never mind. You'll stick around anyway. Good house. Yeah. So, uh, gentlemen, before uh, before we get started with questions, is there anything in particular you'd like to get off your minds? Anything you want to tell the fans? Anything you'd like to announce? Or I'd like to just say, for the record, that um, I've never met the man to my right, and anything that he said that might possibly have been interpreted as a slur against your local basketball <laughs> franchise. Franchise. <laughs> I'd like to go on record as officially having disavowed. I won't, say we kn- we, I won't say we knew him before he could grow a beard. Right. It's true. I've actually been growing this since I last saw you guys. <laughs> and it's coming along nicely. Thank you very much. I've, you know, I think maybe another five or six years. You know, it's, it's very I, I might I might upgrade it from, uh, like, uh, you know, action figure beard to, uh, you know, like, Unabomber beard. <laughs> Eventually the beard could have its own action figure. It might. With a kung fu grip. With a kung fu grip. So uh, what are you gentlemen working on right now? What, what, what can we expect to see you in soon? 
I just finished shooting a, the funniest television show I have worked on since Star Trek The Next Generation, wow. which we know is a laugh riot. Oh, hilarious Star Trek The Next Especially Generation. Especially those musical numbers. The musical Wonderful numbers. musical numbers on this show. This show, the, the stuff that is filmed is the way it was between takes. That never show. happens. That, that never rarely, happens. rarely happens. It's called The Good Guys. It stars Bradley Whitford and Colin Hanks. And oh. it's on Fox. And it is very, very funny. Is that Colin Hanks, the, uh, the, the son of, of the elder Tom Hanks? The very same. And wow. he's really sick of answering questions about that. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just wrapped season four of The Guild. And uh, just before that, um, an episode of Eureka. Not, not to mention, you become a fairly regular fixture. On Big Bang, dude. On the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. I, I have. I'm not going to lie to you. That's the most awesome thing in the whole world. <laughs> it rules so much. And you play the evil. I play the evil Will Wheaton. The evil Will Wheaton. Yeah, yeah that's yes. a real stretch. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I learned it by watching you, Frakes. It's like lore. <laughs> exactly. Who would have ever thought Brent could play lore? Right? Or soon. Or soon. For that matter. Yeah. At least you guys didn't have to sit next to him at the front of the bridge for five oh, seasons like oh, I did. God. You never know who you're talking to. Who are you going to get? I did a year and then I got fed up and left. I went down to engineering. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we, all, we, all, we all envied you. We all envied you that you got to work in engineering. It was great. You came in for, you know, maybe two days. Yeah, your collected chair a moved, week's man. pay. Your chair moved. It did. It did. Yeah. It did. Right? It's like riding a bicycle. You never lose it. But this is the first time I've actually been on, on, the, on the stage uh, with a fellow Starship driver. Wow. I have never shared the stage with someone who's also driven a Starship. And how does it feel? It feels pretty good. Who's the better pilot? It, feel, it feels like we could probably talk in a shorthand that no one would understand or care about. You, would, you wouldn't consider being on stage with Marina being on stage with somebody who could drive the spaceship? I don't think so. She no. crashed the ship the one time we let her drive, did she? Yeah, not? and that's... That was a huge that was a mistake. bad yeah. idea. Right into a planet, as I recall. Yeah. That didn't work. Skeet, skeet, yep. skeet, yep. skeet. I actually, I anticipated that using my magical powers of space-time bending and got off the ship before it happened. Yeah. That's why they called you the boy genius. Yes, That's you true. were the boy genius. No, nobody listened to me. The beloved Wesley Crusher. In, in what bubble universe are you? Who violated the space-time continuum. Continually. Continuum. Over and over again. Again. Oh, yours, man. Well, you know, honestly. Uh, oh, you're still wait, here. Wait, what are you gonna plug? You got something. It's like now you know what it was like to try to direct us in the first two seasons. <laughs> We've completely forgotten about you. Sorry. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I would rather uh, let you guys talk about anything you want to talk about, or open it up immediately to the floor. And the reason why is. Uh, I, you guys have been around, you've been to these conventions. There's not a single question I can think of that you probably haven't been asked a uh, hundred million times. To what but do you attribute the enduring interest in the uh, Star Trek universe? 
It's a good question. I've yeah, never heard a, that before. That's a good question. That, that, that's, that's a, good a very one. good question. That's a poser, that one. I yeah, most of the questions I would have are like more like locker room talk and probably not appropriate for this audience. But uh, I, I think probably the audience may have some questions, things that they may not have heard the answers to or new questions. Does anybody have anything they'd like to ask? What's Patrick Stewart really like? <laughs> you mean when he's not drinking? Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I find that he's a much more gentle actor when he's been drinking. <laughs> it's because you were a minor. Oh. What That's was the true, funniest you practical know? joke that ever was taking place on the, uh, on the bridge of the Enterprise? I'd have to say Michael Dorn hiding Brenda Bakke in his trailer. For years. For that years. Was, yeah, that was a good That was a good, that was a good one. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily funny to Brenda, you understand, but very funny to us. when he cracked the egg on Patrick's head? That was nice. Yeah. That was a good day, too. That was fun. That was funny. Okay. It's all yours. Oh, it's all me. <laughs> I'm just a spectator here. Uh, what was your favorite episode? <laughs> Will? Well, my favorite episode to watch is The Inner Light. Mm. A close second would be Tapestry. Wait, 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 wait. Inner Light. That was the one where Patrick played the flute, right? That's right. Nice. I hated that episode. Did you? Really? Oh. That's because you're not a nerd. I love that because I'm a what nerd. What do you mean? I, I'm not a nerd. You're not a nerd like I'm a nerd, Jonathan Frakes. Truer words were never spoken. <laughs> I love that episode. I love the idea that you could live an entire lifetime in the blink of an eye and, and all the people around you wouldn't be aware of it. Exactly. 48 minutes of screen time. I know. Let an me entire ask you lifetime in 48 minutes. <laughs> well, now that I've got you here, I don't know if this is a good time, but did you understand yesterday's enterprise? Well, I, yes. Yeah. You are a nerd. You are yeah. a nerd. <laughs> you know, because you live in the geekosphere. I do. Uh, on the vein of being a nerd, one of the things... Uh, Are you a nerd? Yo, you know, I have lightsabers on my wall. Huh? His name is Maurice. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't go through life Some people call me and the not space be black, French, or gay. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. What? Wow! <laughs> no stranger to an ass-whooping Maurice. Uh... My question is this. I've, I've been a huge sci-fi fan my entire life, but a lot of people that work in, in sci-fi movies and sci-fi uh, television programs may not necessarily be science fiction fans. Now, in working with this, did you find yourself becoming more interested or, or more aware of the space program, nerdy, sciencey stuff like that, or were you as ambivalent as you were before? Are you talking to me? All of them. <laughs> I was a huge Star Trek fan before I even began production on Next Generation. And I was beside myself. And getting to walk through stage nine, in the first season, our bridge was on stage six, and all of the other sets were on stage uh, nine, with the exception of Planet Hell that none of us ever liked. I mean, if I can just speak for all of us you in, may. That, in that regard. Please. Getting to walk through those corridors for the first time and see them lit up and walk into engineering and see the engine going. Um, oh, you mean with the dilithium crystals in it? That's right, exactly. Well, the dilithium crystals are responsible for regulating the intermixing of matter and antimatter. But that's, that's really LeVar's place, not mine. It was LeVar's place. Is there a certain... Is there a reason that this ship could never go beyond 9.9? .9? Warp 9.9? Yeah. I think um, when you go beyond warp 9.9, .9, you explode. 
the, uh, the show actually becomes uh, according but, to Jim. Let me defer to the expert at the table, Will. Well, I, the show becomes according to Jim. Ah. And nobody wants that. <laughs> well said. You're yeah. good. That's science, guys. That's the way it works. Yeah. You know science. A little bit. Yeah. So I was a huge fan, and I loved it. And I, I, I loved getting to work with all these guys. And uh, because I was a kid, I was sort of able to, like, I was closer to, I think, playing Star Trek on the playground, maybe, than you guys were. <laughs> At least, you know, before the restraining orders. And, <laughs> and it was actually very important to me. Wow. It's not often that I'm the third funniest guy on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I hired some writers. We've been working stuff out. We were on a retreat. Fill me up. Yes, baby. Wow. Oh. So, because you, you obviously were always a fan, were you always into sci-fi, Mr. Frank? Uh, uh, I would have to... I'd be lying if I told you I even understood what Star Trek was before I was blessed with the job. I learned fast, however. I went out and uh, trained myself. But, and I'm a huge fan, obviously, now, and gr very grateful, but I come from a different world. <laughs> Pennsylvania. <laughs> How about you, Mr. Burton? Were you, were you always a sci-fi fan? I, I am with Will Wheaton um, on this issue. I was a huge fan of the original series. Uh, Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future was one where, where um, people of color were actually present, and that meant a lot to me as a kid. And, and on the bridge. So, uh, taking that all into account, how do you feel now that we're, you know, our nation's in this having financial problems and we're cutting back on our manned space program? Do you think that's, uh, like, cool or do you think that's, you know, some, a tough decision we had to make or do you, would you like to see more manned missions in real life? I think, that's, that's a huge question. And, but uh, one you haven't had, right? If you, what happened to return to the get. moon? I thought we were going to go back to the moon. Yeah. Well... Is it a money thing? I think we spent a little bit too much uh, of our resources on fighting. Yes. Uh, not, not enough left in the coffers for education and exploration. Now, you have a huge background with Reading Rainbow and being involved in education. Education is clearly something you have a lot of passion for. Yes, absolutely. Oh. Stand up for that Say it, say it. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. I was never around that before. That's good stuff. So how do you feel, ha having that background and that passion for education, and then being blessed enough to work uh, in a science fiction serial that also you know, encourages people to be educated? I mean, it's all about science. It's all about exploration. Mm. So uh, what do you think uh, we're missing in, in the realm of sci-fi, where we don't seem to encourage that? It's more about monsters than it is about passion for exploration. I think there's room in the science, science fiction universe for all of these things. I think there's plenty of, of inspirational science fiction um, in, in the lexicon these days. Um, even when it has a dark vision, it can still be inspirational. This is a journey that we're all on, and we're all on it together. 
And science fiction tends to be that body of literature that, that, uh, that sort of leads us on the way through this journey that we're all sharing. So I, th I think there's, there's, room, there's room for all of it, but there's only one Star Trek. Here, here. Mr. Frakes, you've uh, done a lot of directing. You've directed some of my favorite episodes. And, and one of the best directors in uh, the world. The biz. What, what lessons from Star Trek uh, have you applied to directing that you didn't learn anywhere else? What lessons from Star yeah, Trek? In, yeah, in, in, in working on Star Trek, maybe... Uh, uh, things other directors did, or experiences you had, or, or difficulties you had that when you became a director, you were able to... Like dealing with an entire cast that's drunk, for example. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just to pull something out of thin air that I yeah. made up. There's a lot to be said for having your friends look back at you when you're making the leap, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. LeVar and I started out sort of checking each other out. Was that okay? Yeah, that's fine. We can go on now. You were the first, man. You were the but first. But you look you at your, yeah, you look at, I used to look at LeVar, and I used to look at uh, Patrick and make sure that we had agreed that what we've gotten was what we wanted. Mm. And I, I, I still, I, now I trust my own instincts more, but in the beginning, we were, uh, we were all mishpucha. We were in this together. You've probably taken the rules of acting along with you on your journey as a director, have you not? My, the rules of acting? First rule of acting? Live in the moment. Live in the moment. Second rule of acting? Remember your lines. Third rule of acting. Don't bump into the furniture. Don't bump into the furniture. <laughs> Those all work. They yeah. still work. Yeah. Make sure your shoes fit. How about for you? What, what lessons from uh, Star Trek for you guys have you taken and applied in, in other, you know, maybe unexpected avenues of, you know, like other experiences that you've had? Star Trek was such an ensemble show, um, and I was, you know, I was a kid when I worked on Star Trek, and because I was a kid, I had the limitations that kids have. Um, yeah, no car. I, <clears throat> uh, until I got my better than Patrick Stewart's Honda Prelude SI4WS, you mean. That's what I'm thinking. I, I wasn't really able to fully appreciate uh, the experience that I had because uh, I was sort of struggling with you know being a teenager and feeling like I could relate to all of these guys professionally but not on the personal level that I so desperately wanted to you know like I just felt like I wasn't cool enough and I wasn't smart enough and um, I you know I cherished those times when we got to do scenes together that I felt were like that were well written and uh, scenes where I got to do more than hey guys look if you push the red button on the repulsor beam it's going to emit an inverse neutrino pulse into the heart of the anomaly and then we're going to send nanites off to a tachyon farm <laughs> one of the things that I that I completely took for granted when we worked on Next Generation is um, being in a cast that loves each other mm. and being on a set that's really happy to be there. Mm. And I remember, I don't know if you remember this, John, I, like, when, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, um, I saw you somewhere and I asked you, like, the way that I remember it mm -hmm. is that we loved each other. Yes. And the way that I remember it is that we had fun together yes. and we looked forward to work every day. Every and, and we felt like we were doing something cool. Is that really the way it was? I do remember or, that. Or, 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 or is that just you know, my memory? And you said to me, 
That's the way it was, man. We had lightning in a bottle. Yep. And uh, when, I see a sh- when I work on a show now that has something like that, Eureka's like that, Bing Bang Theory's like that, uh, I'm really grateful for it. We were blessed. Mm. If I've learned, if I've taken anything away from the experience, it's that, because I haven't, I have not had that same experience duplicated anywhere else in my career since. And, and I'm always cognizant of now being truly appreciative of the moments because those were the, some of the best seven years I could ever, ever think of having. And um, you, when you're in the middle of it, you think it's going to last forever. Yeah. And, and you look up and, and the experience is over and you have your memories to, to look back on. But I'm really, really appreciative of the moments now, just knowing when, when you have a good moment, cherish it because it may not come again. You know, I saw this website where someone... Well, that was depressing, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I thought that was actually yeah? emotional. I okay. Liked, I felt... Right. Uh, it was very tender. I liked it. I was moved. Yeah. Were you? Thanks, Maurice. I, I saw a website where someone had scanned a ton of, like, kind of behind-the-scenes publicity photos that they took during the first few years of production. And there's, like, maybe eight pages of these uh, black-and-white photos from stage six and, and, uh, and stage nine. And I remember sitting down at my desk in my office uh, maybe uh, five or six months ago looking at these, and by the time... I was through it, I was weeping. Because like these moments, it's different from watching the show. When I watch the show now, uh, I remember the stuff that went on when we made it, and I remember the, you know, like, like what that episode was about, and what that guest star was like, and things like that. But these were like our private moments. These were us between scenes. And I can see like just the, like, you know, you guys looking at each other, and like, and I'm not in a lot of these pictures, but the ones that I am, I clearly remember it. And, well, because I had to go to school and stuff. Like, I just didn't get to be there that much. Um, and we didn't the, like you all that much. I know. I know. I know. I know. I was throwing off the cool curve all over the place, and I feel bad about no, that. No, that's not true. You know, you know how we feel about you. But getting to look at that stuff and see that, uh, and see that all again... It was this view back into that amazing time that uh, I just don't get to take that often. So, uh, what moments that you can that might leap to mind back in those those uh, lightning in the bottle years that maybe at the time you didn't appreciate that moment, maybe at the time it was a little difficult, but now you look back and you you have a fond memory of that that struggle or that you know that obstacle. Anytime Jonathan took the microphone, the imaginary microphone to sing Volari was Ooh. always a good moment. <laughs> Best <laughs> moments ever. Are you a crooner, sir? I've been Volari. Volari. That's that's when uh, that's when Rick Colby took over. That's right. That's right. There was another magical singing moment that I think you may remember. When uh, Denise Crosby used to play uh, Lieutenant Natasha Pookie ER, mm-hmm. made the uh, spectacular career choice to leave the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, Jean Roddenberry wrote a beautiful episode in which she died and we mourned her death and it was art imitating life because we didn't want to, we didn't want Denise to leave because she was a member of the same family that we all, that Will and LeVar just referred to, and we were very sad as characters and we were very sad as people, and Patrick came through the holodeck door onto the grassy knoll in which she was being buried, if you recall, and sang, 
and twirled when he got to the top of the hill with his arms fully extended. Sort of a mincy kind of English twirl. Very yeah. Nancy, very yeah. Nancy as I recall. But such commitment. Yeah. 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 Uh, and he hadn't even been drinking. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, going back to you mentioned some guest stars and what guest stars were like. Uh, do any guest stars uh, strike you? I don't want you to get yourself in trouble by revealing who was a, a complete jerk that you might have to work with. McFleetwood uh, was a fish from Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. That was cool. Beautiful. Michelle Phillips um, was somebody alien. Um, the late, great, and talented Gene Simmons. Gene Simmons. Yes. Yes. winning. Yes. John Tesh played a Klingon. True. Tesh played, yeah. Tesh played, Tesh a, Klingon. played a Klingon. Yeah. Um, both um, uh, Madge Sinclair, the woman who played uh, Kunta's wife oh, yes. in Roots. Uh, played my mother, and the, the fabulously talented Ben Vereen played my father um, in Star Trek. Those, the, those, were, those were great moments. I had a really great time working with Robbie McNeil, who went on to be on Voyager, because it was the, 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 one and, the first and last time I spent the majority of an episode with people that were about my own age. And it was the first time that those... Perf the personal and professional kind of uh, like we can hang out together kind of things melded together. Was that on the planet with the people who uh, were into like having sex all the time? No, that would have been the first season Craptacular Justice <laughs> um, where they clothed the entire uh, uh, planet in 16 yards of fabric. Um, and uh, that's, that's the episode. Listen, this is a wonderful story. This is, this is an episode where uh, Picard violates the prime directive by bringing the leader of the planet back to his quarters to show her God, because God is outside the ship, and it's a wonderful homage to the original series, oh. because every time Captain Kirk would bring a girl back to the ship, he would show her God. You can sort of see that one coming. No. That was good, Will. The first few Thank million you. miles on the Enterprise were probably in Kirk's bed, right? So, uh, did you ever meet anybody that worked on the show that maybe uh, was either a longtime hero, somebody who was like, oh, I can't believe I'm getting the opportunity to work with this person, and it was a wonderful opportunity, uh, or perhaps somebody you worked with that completely violated your expectations? Either they were meaner or much nicer than you expected them to be. I did an episode called Relics with Jimmy Doohan. Does that count? Yeah, that was pretty yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, who would you like to work with that you uh, have not yet had the opportunity to work with? On Star Trek? No, anyway, in any, in any project. I'd like to work with the guy that built the time machine that let us go back to work on Star Trek. That's the guy that... <laughs> yeah, let's talk to him. Yeah. How cool was it when Stephen Hawking was on the show? That was cool. That was cool. Now, that was cool. Yeah, thank you. That kept my geek meter going. Yeah, definitely. See, you're a little geek in there. You know I have a little, a little geek in me. Right he was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember when that happened. Uh, all my friends, we were, we were pretty stoked. It was a pretty... Well, he moment. said to us through his wonderful communication device, between solving quantum physics problems, I like to sneak in the occasional TV guest star role. <laughs> Stephen Hawking? How cool is that? Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Yeah. He has a little no coward in him. Yeah, it's just awesome. So uh, who surprised you uh, working on the show that turned out that they would have always been a, you know, a Trekkie deep down and maybe they'd never uh, you know, had an opportunity to work in the franchise in any way? Well, it just blew you away just how into Star Trek they were. I, um, 
I actually heard this from Brent recently um, that you know we all we knew that Whoopi Goldberg was a huge fan of Star Trek and really wanted to come and be part of the cast of Next Generation, and Brent told me that he thought that Whoopi asking to join the show when she did actually extended the life of the series. That that we may not have gotten that like push through, you know, the first season of Next Generation is just kind of struggling to find our way and figure out like kind of, you know, we're all getting to know our characters, we're all getting to know each other, the writers are figuring us out, and uh, the uh, by the time Whoopi came along, it's like she was the biggest star in the world at that time. And, uh, and, and, and Brent said that he sort of thought that like, because she was such a huge Star Trek fan and was, was, would bring an audience, that, uh, that it helped extend us and, and, and give us like a, a push to you know, let us sort of work out, continue the shakedown cruise. That's pretty cool, right on. <laughs> Kudos for Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, bye. So uh, who, uh, who, which guest star, which celebrity that worked on the show uh, just didn't get it. Just like had the hardest time with maybe the, the gobbledygook techanese that they make you speak. Just had the hardest time wrapping their head around it. Did any of us get that? Oh, who? The guy who went up in the rafters. Oh. No, no fair whispering. I don't, I don't, I don't think that. Uh, yeah, it's on the advice of my attorney. I don't think this is yeah. the room in which yeah. to address right. that right. that question. Right. We no. would be remiss, however, if we didn't mention Delancey in discussions. Yes. Yeah. yes. Or Dwight Schultz. Or Dwight Schultz. Or Carla Meany, who began oh, as a guest star on, on the Next Gen. Yeah, Dwight Schultz now with the A-Team movie coming out. It's, it's weird. He's going to have uh, two cult followings, I guess, following him around. Uh, what, uh, what opportunities have, uh, has Star Trek given you uh, that, or taken you to projects that you never thought you would pursue? Like, I never in your wildest dreams would you imagine you'd be involved in some kind of project, but it, Star Trek led to it. It's been more the opposite. Yeah. More the opposite, really. Yeah. No. We're trying to get out of the pigeonhole that Star Trek flew us into. Right. Well, that, mind what, what metaphor. would you say is the, uh, one of the most frustrating times that you had to deal with that typecasting that, that has plagued so many people in the franchise? I think you, you're, 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 you're missing the point. For, I think for, I don't know, if I, maybe I can speak for the three of us. Star Trek was the project that you, I yeah. never thought I would okay. ever have an opportunity yeah. to here, be here. a part of. That, that was the goodie. Yeah, yeah. Man. I stand corrected. Uh, I, the thing about Star Trek is that Star Trek is not just a TV show. Right. You know, I mean, there's lots of shows that are on right now that have been on for a long time, but like even incredibly popular television shows now are never going to have the cultural societal impact that the Star Trek world from the original series all the way through to, to, to the end ha managed to have on the world. I meet people all the time now. I'm 37 and I meet people who are a little bit younger than me who grew up watching Next Generation. They're engineers, they're scientists, they're doctors. They were, they wanted to be Wesley Crusher so that they could be on a spaceship and be as smart as the adults and they went to engineering school and they went uh, into grad school and they became physicists so that they could do those sorts of things. Like a TV show did that. That's amazing. Take that lost. <laughs> Terry O'Quinn. Terry O'Quinn was, 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 yeah. was the guest star was in, a, in a little-known episode uh, called Pegasus. 
Pegasus. Which, uh, nice poll. Yeah, you were featured very prominently in that episode. I remember it well. Terry O'Quinn went toe-to-toe, as I recall. So, uh, getting more Trek specific, if I may. Uh, oh, which alien costuming, I mean, the makeup, just was the scariest? Like, I don't know if you ever had to wear any of it for any reason, but uh, when you saw people dressed up as aliens, which one did you just see them getting geared up and I don't ever want You ever see Marina and Gates before makeup at 6 o'clock in the oh. morning? <laughs> I have never met the man to my left. I would just like to disavow any association with anything that he may have said. It was awfully funny, though. (laughs) The first time I met Michael Dorn out of makeup, I didn't recognize him because he was always at work before us. And, 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 and they're after us. And, and this dude was like walking up to me like, hey, Will, what's going on? And I'm like, who the hell are you? I think it was tough being a Borg. Oh, yeah. That was a rough duty. 2.30 a.m., 3 yeah. o'clock in the morning. Right. Then all that assimilating you have to do before All lunch. that assimilating to get assimilated. Yeah. What tough, time? tough being a Kardashian. That was an early call. Ooh. Turtlehead always had an early call. Early calls for Klingons. Very early calls for Klingons. Yeah, I guess the Bajorans got off pretty easy with that little nose ring. Yeah, stinking little nose deal right there. And an earring. What the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> it was good to be human, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what time did you usually begin your filming day? I mean, if you're a human cast member, you don't have to be there early for special uh, reasons. What time did they usually get you started? We started shooting at 7. Mm. Yeah. 7 a.m.? Mm. Dorn was in there by 4.30, 5 o'clock. Right. Yeah. And Girls were in there, you know, midnight the midnight. night before. Yeah. <laughs> 1 a.m.? I've never met the man two seats to my left, <laughs> and I would like to disavow any knowledge of anything he may have said. Data was in there getting painted about 5. Yeah. Brent had yeah. to be painted gold. Having his rye toast. Yep. Lavari uh, cereal with apple juice on it. Mm-hmm. Turn Patrick onto it. Yep. Patrick likes two tea bags and his cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Easy. These are the things easy. I miss. Easy. You know who you are. Settle down. It's just. It's the little thing. All right. This is not a Rule 34 kind of room, okay? I think we should open the floor to questions from the audience. Please. I'm about to make the same suggestion. Does anybody have any questions? Step up to the microphone if you'd like to ask. Thank God. Um, okay, really quickly, I want to say that the episode of Reading Rainbow where you went on the cast of Star Trek Next yeah. Generation was the awesomest episode ever. The Bionic Bunny Show. That was the name of the book, The Bionic Bunny Show. Yes. Where the very visual Rob Legato showed us how we made the transporter effect. You recall yes. it was... A bowl of water and and sparkles. Glitter. It was it was awesome, but I really wanted to ask. I was watching the other day, and I was suddenly realized it was the episode, the outrageous Akana, and one of the nobody actresses that you know back then she didn't even have a credit was Terry Hatcher, and I was like, is she that Terry Hatcher? Does she, she does. Yes, and you know but, who played the outrageous Wait, she, she denies being she denies on the show? She denies on the show, as does um, uh, the sister of the singer. Wait, how could you... Oh, de- uh, Ashley, Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd and Terry That's Hunter right, because Uncle Willie wrecked her. 
Wasn't Billy Campbell the outrageous O'Connell? He was. He was really nice to me. Billy I Campbell? guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was really um, nice to me. He was Riker too. He was. He was the. He was the uh, after the seven weeks of auditioning, we were the two left standing. You went to Paramount Thunderdome and. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, could you think of any other actors or actresses who were like nothing That's like when your they third first? Question. I love this. Anyway, if you guys could stop talking, it. it would be awesome. <laughs> When they first came on the show, they were just no one. Can you think of anyone else? Me? LeVar <laughs> was the only famous person on the show when the yeah. show started. You had done Stand By Me. I had. You had? Yeah. I but I was back. no LeVar Burton. I mean, come on. You were no Kunta. Right. Yeah. Any, any, anybody seen Roots? <laughs> anybody seen... Uh, the Ron LaFleur story? <laughs> a little known gem. How about North and South? The, about the fabulous Tommy? miniseries. Most prominently known for putting you and Jeannie Francis in the same, in the same city. Long enough to <laughs> fall in just, love. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going. <laughs> <laughs> you had a question? Yes, thank you for coming to Phoenix. And my question is, uh, tell us about Gene Roddenberry and Major Barrett and your recollections of having known them. Gene Roddenberry, I'll tell a little Roddenberry story Please. for you. Uh, I referenced the fact that it did, in fact, take seven auditions over six weeks before I was finally cast in the role that has changed my life. And the last three or four auditions were for different um, executives at Paramount who needed to sign off on who was going to be in the cast, and most of the cast had been assembled by this point. And Roddenberry, who had sort of taken me under his wing, his great space bird wing by this point, had said, before each of these auditions, come to my office and we'll prepare you with Corey Allen, who was the director of the pilot. And Roddenberry so believed that the 24th century was going to be a place in which there would be no hunger and no greed and all the children would know how to read. And he used to say this to me, and, and he made me believe in what he believed, which I believe made me Riker. He was an incredible man. That's a nice yeah. story. Yeah, you have any uh, recollections of Major Barrett? Major Barrett was hysterical. So funny. As, as Marina's mother, she, that was the most brilliant casting. I remember feeling like, wait, the boss's wife is coming to work on the show? What's that going to be like? And yeah, it was boy, about, about, just... about 15 minutes was about how long that lasted. And oh. I remember that just, we all just so looked forward to her she coming to be on the set. Fearless. And she brought with her um, Carl Stryker. Yes. Right. Who we always look forward to. Yeah. Thank you. Sir, you had a question? Um, I want to start off just uh, confirming what Will and LeVar have been saying. I started off as a you know, Star Trek nerd when I was four, uh, watching your show, and uh, especially reading Rainbow as well. Uh, I'm now a biology teacher on my way to getting maybe my master's and uh, PhD in the next few years. So thank you for... Yes! Um, oh. Save your applause. Um, yeah, thank you for inspiring me with your superheroic nerdiness and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and LeVar especially uh, for encouraging me to read more than I already did. 
Um, anyway, uh, my girlfriend and I are now going through uh, Next Generation, and again, uh, beginning to end. And watching it again, I notice a lot more uh, interesting details, like, um, and this is focused on uh, our Riker here. Um, uh, in the first five minutes of the episode, depending on how wide your eyes on, I can tell exactly who you are going to Riker that episode. And I think you know what I mean. But um, <laughs> To Riker, has, it's a verb now. It is. It's, a verb. Yes. it's official. No, but the thing I really wanted to point out, um, I've been doing uh, Shaolin we Kung back, Fu. And, well, once, well, oh, what sorry. is to Riker? Um, <laughs> it's either to successfully or, un or unsuccessfully attempt to uh, mate with a female you've just met. Cool. I'm in. All right. Used um, in a sentence, I rikered the hell out of that. All right. uh, but what I really I wanted to... think he's Riker uh, in her? Yeah, it was Riker sure who said is. to the two Klingon women when he was serving on the ship, <laughs> one or both. <laughs> uh, but, but I... Uh, they did call him Picard's Big Willie. <laughs> that's true. Wild Bill Riker. Yeah. Uh, I had to get up in. But I digress. Yeah, I, I do digress. Um, is there a question yes, in there, there anywhere? <laughs> this is the real question. Serious question, actually. I've been doing martial arts the last couple of years. I've been watching this show again, noticing, you know, of course, Worf's version of Tai Chi, a little bit of Judo. But the one thing I can't quite place with any martial arts I've ever seen is the uh, two-handed golf swing. I just want to know who introduced that into the show, and is it effective in street fighting? Uh, will... Uh, no, uh, and Jonathan, I know you can uh, answer this one. Uh, when you go up to someone with a, two hands like this and go right up under the chin, does that really work in real life? Is that just for the show? It seemed to always come out in all these bar fights and you know people with alien parasites making them super strong. I just. Are you suggesting that there may have been something on Star Trek that was created for dramatic entertainment effect that is not directly tied into something that exists in reality? Uh, to yes. you, I say good day, sir. You are on fire, Will. You're on fire. Just wanted to know who came up with that. Thank you. Well done, sir. <laughs> Thank you all for being here, by the way. I, I almost feel guilty com coming up with a serious acting type question for you. Um, <laughs> You'd have to find serious actors first. <laughs> You're in the wrong panel, ma'am. Yeah, excuse me, you must be in the wrong panel. <laughs> I hear John Schneider is somewhere in the building. <laughs> what? John Schneider. John's a serious actor. <laughs> okay. And there's Shakespeare, and then there's Dukes of Hazard. okay? <laughs> I'm serious. I was on the Dukes of Hazard, LeVar. These people ha must have something. Wait, were you really on the Dukes of Hazard? Hmm? You were really on the Dukes of Hazard? I married Daisy Duke. You didn't know that? No. I played Jamie Lee Hogg all over Dogpatch. He totally rightered her, man. Really? Yes. I don't know how this, I didn't know, I like, feel like I've 
I'm in shades of gray. I, I think this panel has revealed some interesting things about there all have, of us. There are truths wow. that have come to light yeah. this afternoon that probably should have stayed secret. Yeah, you sure you want to go down that road, that uh, serious acting question road? Um, yeah, actually, it's probably even better for you now. Um, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. Well, First of all, I'm the second best actor in my own house. So. <laughs> hey, I'm an old General Hospital fan, so yes, I watched your wife yeah. before you. <laughs> wow. But, wow. But you're still better than Luke, okay? <laughs> um, my hair's um, less curly. <laughs> Being in a, a part like that for such an extended period of time, and an encounter at Farpoint was just on cable again in the last week or so, and Riker was obviously, for one, very different in that Thinner episode. and younger? Um, <laughs> <laughs> how much Stiffer? during the... Humorless? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, how much during the what course about, what of something like jawed. that... I, I just. <laughs> yeah, okay, so you did John Wayne in space. Anyway. That was John Cullum, not John Wayne, for anybody oh. who's fine tuning it. <laughs> During the course of, it, of, of something like that, how much does it wind up being a little bit more of you? in the character, or does the character start to influence you? I play the trombone. I like alien women. Who doesn't? Hate my spacesuit. Did you have a question, sir? <laughs> After my questions, I'm very accustomed to the awkward silence that follows them. How's it going? My name is uh, James Leatherman. I'm actually a local actor here. And if you didn't realize this, but uh, Phoenix is one of the real hotbeds of acting talent and filming talent. We've got the Phoenix Film Festival. We've got some local people here. Local theaters are just absolutely incredible. Yes, please. Because I see some of them out here right now. So, it's another acting question. I'm sorry about that, but... When, when you're in a, a situation like this where you've got so many talented people around you and you love them so much and you want to work with them, what is the draw for to go to Los Angeles. I mean, what, what is it exactly that you wouldn't be able to accomplish here that you can accomplish there outside of just the vast number of auditions? What is it you're looking for when you go to LA that you can't get in Phoenix? You can't go to the beach here. <laughs> Listen, very seriously, Los Angeles is where the film and television industry is headquartered. I mean, that's just where it is. And if it's what you want to do with your life professionally, you have to go there. I mean, there's, there's a... You there's have a, to go there to be sent away. Yeah. There's, <laughs> and go work out of town and out of the country. Right. right. And you have to go there so you can go to Vancouver. And that's just how it works. <laughs> However, if you found an acting family right here in Phoenix, and this is where your heart is, then, my God, you have hit the jackpot, sir. Yeah, to be able to be an actor and not have to live in Los Angeles is kind of my dream. Yeah. 
So are you guys available to the be one thing for, Los uh, Angeles needs no more of? People. Actors. Actors. No, just people. people Nobody needs general. to come to LA anymore. It'd be great if half of them would leave. I'm actually, I'm actually going to be a little bit of a jerk, and I'm going to try and scoot everybody along a little bit. We have a, quite a long line. I didn't see anybody lining up before in front of the mic, so I didn't know how many questions we'd have. Please go ahead, sir. This question is for uh, Jonathan Frakes. Um, was it meant to be, or did it just happen that you always looked skeptical as Commander Riker during every single episode? <laughs> it just happened that way. <laughs> it's but why I could never get any commercials. <laughs> Who wants a skeptical spokesperson for their product? But it did make the official spokesperson for the paranormal, oddly enough. Good evening. Which is the last place you'd expect a skeptic to be. <laughs> Next. Hello, guys. Uh, Helping you out here. Huge honor. Huge honor. One, quick one for each of you. Two Rikers, amazing episode. Would you say that that was the That was Lamar Burton directed that episode. Was that, really? Was that the Second only Chances? Time? I love Second Chances. You were matched. Would you all say Frakes all the time. How could you go wrong? <laughs> Twice I, as much Frakes as you usually get. So would you say that's the only time in the show and perhaps your entire career that you were matched in acting ability? <laughs> <laughs> Marina always said that she thought that Thomas Riker was much cuter than Will Riker. LeVar, do you remember um, in, 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 in uh, Reading Rainbow when you went to the Crayon Factory? Because everyone in my generation remembers that as like the trippiest thing ever. And can I get that on DVD somewhere? And Will Wheaton, seriously, it took like 30 minutes into this to mention Ashley Judd. What really happened there, buddy? I will never tell. <laughs> Thank you, guys. He All told right, me he totally Rikered her. <laughs> Rule 34. And I really am Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> uh, he actually stole part of my question, so I'm going to make this even faster. I do want to say thank you, LeVar, for reading Rainbow. Uh, I read that. I, I saw that as a kid constantly, and now I actually graduated with a PhD in children's literature. I write my yes! own books. And I'm a feature writer, and I review children's books constantly. So, um, quick question for all three of you. What do you think your favorite outtake was in Star Trek? I mean, you've given so many good behind-the-scenes stories. So, if anybody you have a favorite, you know, outtake. Uh, My favorite thing ever is the very first time I remember any of us walking into turbo lift doors and they didn't open, and it was Johnny. <laughs> and it was at the back, the back turbo lift um, in the, you know, upstage uh, right in the, in the, on the bridge. And uh, we're, the scene goes on, and you just hear, thud, <laughs> crash. And then from back in the turbo lift, like just slightly muffled, shit. <laughs> and I, it was in Brad first Wall, season. Brad I don't remember. I don't always remember. Work. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was in the first season at some, some point. It was awesome. We got a lot right. of mileage out of those turbo Thanks, Spidey. Doors. We're going to keep Thanks. this line moving so we can get as many people in here as possible. We're out of here. Do you guys want to come back? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, uh, you know what? That's a great idea. Yeah. A show of hands, who's coming back to get autographs at the table in the other hall? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Perfect. All right. Yeah. So we're we'll, in. we'll be there signing for another half an hour or so after this. Sorry, Army. Okay. Um, this go, go, go. <clears throat> this one's for LeVar. Um, I'm just wondering about the, the visor. Like, do you still have that? Yes. Oh. It, uh, it, it is in the original prop box that Charlie Russo handed to me every time we put the visor on. And uh, 
I'm determined that it will. And by the way, there's, there's a, a visor being sold someplace, and, and they are touting it as some, one that I wore, and it's simply not true. Uh, the one that I wore, I've got, and it's going to put my kid through college one day. So. <laughs> That's expensive. Yeah. <coughs> it was a very interesting experience to watch the visor being put on because it didn't go simply or easily. It was literally screwed into LeVar's head. Yeah. It was screwed until it was tight enough to stay on. Yeah. It was nuts. I, one of these days I'll bring the visor and I'll show you guys. It, it, was, it's, it wasn't pretty. It's, uh, then he lost his peripheral vision until he <laughs> took the visor off. We got... And um, another on that... Those little blinking lights on the side of your, on your temples, um, how did those go on there? Uh, the they, magnets, they are magnetized. Ah. I, I'd like to be able to say I'm just that talented to <laughs> <laughs> enough to cause lights to blink on the side of my head. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'd only be lying. Okay. You had a question, Miss? Like, real quick, oh, I want to thank you, the, all three of you, for everything you've done, even since... Star Trek Next Generation, Mr. Frakes with the directing, LeVar with Reading Rainbow, and Will with your books and the Guild Season 4. My question is, in that, that seven years that you spent working on Star Trek The Next Generation, what is that one lesson that each of you have learned that you carry with you through everything you do? What was that one lesson that sticks out in your mind that you always come back to For me, it's the third rule of acting. Don't bump into the furniture. <laughs> Live each day as if it's your last. Yeah, uh, take nothing for granted. Thank you. Uh, and the chowder at the commissary on Fridays is generally yeah. pretty good. Two quick questions. One for Jonathan. Uh, did you enjoy doing the voiceover for uh, David Xanatos in Gargles? Absolutely. A fabulous job. I wish it was still on the air. Yes. And then the second one is, out of all three of you, who are the best pilots in terms of captaining a starship? I didn't even know how it worked. All I used to do was yell red alert. And all kinds of shit happened. <laughs> I actually taught myself actual command sequences that I made up for put the ship to warp speed. Put so the ship did LeVar, man. LeVar did I, that before I, you I, did I that. Did. <laughs> All I'm saying LeVar had those beautiful hands working the dials, and you could tell the sequence he was... His, I was he didn't it, randomly look. tap away at that console, I can tell you right now. Jonathan, I was just making shit up, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Don't I, I, I really didn't know how to fly the ship. That's are, you tell, are you serious? After all these years. I hope you don't think any less of me. And, and the reason I mentioned I that is because in the comic book of the newest movie of Star Trek, you have LeVar being a pilot of his own ship. And then the one where you, Jonathan, marry Deanna Troy, you're a captain. And then... Uh, what about Will? Oh yeah, Will in the Next Generation. That's He's where I asked the question. Book. Like, well, which, gonna, of, which of all three would you guys uh, be? Use my moderator power since we really are running yeah. solo on time. Let's you let the young gentleman. The young ask gentleman this gets the last question. What's yes. your name, last sir? Last question. Elijah Storter. Elijah. 
It's all yours, man. It's all yours. Okay. Well, what was your fir- what was your favorite episode playing in um, Next Generation? Um, my favorite. Uh, I loved it when we were on the holodeck. I think the Robin Hood episode because we weren't in our spacesuits. We hid in our spacesuits and we got to dress up and and look cool. I think the best episode we ever did was Best of Both Worlds, where the board were introduced. Absolutely. One of my favorite, anytime I got to work with Patrick Stewart was incredible, but one of my my favorite working experiences ever, and I don't remember the title of the episode, we're flying in a shuttlecraft together because he's going to have something done to his artificial heart. And the the way that that. script was written, I'm piloting the shuttlecraft and he's just sitting next to me. And uh, on the day, Patrick Stewart said, you know, this just doesn't feel right. I don't believe this scene. I don't think Picard would stay here and sit next to Wesley. So Wesley can fly the shuttlecraft and then Picard's going to go sit in the back and just be by himself. And then Picard will sort of ask Wesley to come back and sort of sit with him and they'll, and they'll chat and they'll have cucumber sandwiches. And, um, and, and it was one of the first times that I got to spend an, you know, an, an entire day's work with Patrick and I feel like I grew a level in acting that day just by being around him. I'm a huge fan. Thank you all very much. Thank you so much, Phoenix. God bless you. God bless you. They're going to be available Good luck for tonight. for the next half hour. Thank you, guys. Enjoy the convention. <laughs>